are listening to Youth Voice Alaska, and we welcome you to our new series, The Art of Being You. This is a production of the StoryWorks Alaska Youth Team, or Say It. I'm Joshua. I'm Sophie. And I'm Bianca. And we're your hosts today for our first episode. In our previous series, we shared stories of moving on, finding family, and seeking help. In this series, we will listen to stories about what we are made of, how we perceive the world and ourselves, and what lessons have helped us find our identities. Our first episode is on comedic life lessons. The stories you will hear shortly are the life lessons that students in Alaska have experienced growing up with a hint of comedy. Our first story is told by Jaylin, where she recounts a frightening experience that later turned out to be an amusing, cherished memory. I want to start off my story by saying that I don't want you to get the wrong idea about me. I meet the baseline requirements for a good Samaritan, and I never commit any serious crimes, except for once when I was 11 years old. But I don't really count it, and here's why. I was in sixth grade. I went to Gladyswood Elementary, and my friends and I all lived less than 10 minutes away from it, so we'd hang out there quite often. And I'm not sure if you guys remember this. It was on the news about like four years ago. The playground at Gladyswood got burned down twice. So I don't know. Apparently, people have like a deep-seated hatred for slides. But they started increasing the security at the school, and they introduced this idea of a 5 p.m. curfew where everyone had to leave the park and security guards would constantly be monitoring the area. I found this out firsthand because my best friend and I had gotten kicked out nearly every day at five by the same like Paul Blart-esque kind of guy with a heavy Southern accent and a fake badge. Usually he was pretty chill about it. So we just leave and hang out at her house for the time being. But there was this one particular time where uh, we met up with two friends of ours who happened to be guys and uh, he kicked us out at five o'clock like usual. and we went to this forested bike trail and we saw this bench and we decided we're just gonna wait for him to leave. And we waited like 15 minutes and we went back to this fence that divides the bike trail from the school. And we're looking through this fence and we're waiting for this guy to pull up. And sure enough, he pulls up in this white Kia with like orange lettering on the side that says security guard or something along the lines of that. And mind you, this guy's not a real cop he carries a megaphone instead of a weapon. And he pulls out this megaphone and he says, well, first of all, he turns it on to the siren mode on accident and it starts alarming, you know, like, wee, 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 and we're all laughing at him. And he's like panicking to turn it to the normal setting and he turns it on and he's like, I told you all you're not allowed to be on school grounds after five. And my friend being the idiot that he is, he shouts some obscure nonsense at the guy and I'm not gonna repeat it cause it's not super appropriate, but this guy's obviously peeved at us and he starts walking towards the fence and he's like, and we like instinctively just book it. Like we run, my friends go hide in the woods and I run the opposite way of them towards my house. Cause I'm going home. <laughs> I'm too young to go to jail. I'm 11 years old. I don't get in trouble. So they're confused why I'm running the opposite way of them. And I stop at the end of the trail and I'm like, I can't leave them behind. And I see this bench on the opposite side of where we were earlier. And I just sit down and I wait 10 minutes for them for that guy to leave. And I start walking towards the fence area again and he's standing there waiting for us. And so I can't turn around and leave. Like he's gonna know like I'm scared or something. And so I, I 
like puff my chest up like my shoulders are up I'm trying to act tough and I'm strutting past this guy and obviously he's like what is this 11 year old doing and he stops me and he goes hey you can tell your friends to come out now and so they all come out and he starts lecturing us about how we could have gotten arrested by anybody but he's being pretty chill about it and trespassing could be in our permanent record and stuff like that and he tells us to go home and we go home and my mom says you do anything fun and I said no because I'm not going to admit to anything she didn't directly accuse me of and that following Sunday we went to the farmer's market and this guy with his wife and his daughter is petting my dog Chewy and it's the security guard and in my head I'm thinking I'm screwed <laughs> my tombstone is gonna say here lies a trespasser died at 11 years old and I thought he was gonna say something about it but he never did he just thanked us and went on his way and so that following Monday, I asked my sixth grade teacher about it. And he was like, oh, yeah, we know he emailed us, but we didn't really care to email your parents. And so all that being scared was kind of for nothing. And I realized that they kind of gave us that story. Like, I wouldn't be telling it if I hadn't had it. And I would only have it if I didn't get in trouble. I wouldn't, I didn't want to tell you guys a story about how I got in trouble. So I kind of just not only thankful that they didn't tell on me, but also thankful that they gave us that memory in that moment of us just being kids. Thank you, and I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you, Jalen, for sharing how you learned through a close call that it's more important to cherish the moment rather than worry about it. Our next storyteller is Sam, who tells us about his strange fascination with geography and how through this he learned a valuable lesson about telling the truth. So ever since I can remember, I have loved geography, which is kind of a weird thing because for a lot of people, geography class through elementary and middle school is such a drag and such a bore and you know you can't even get through it and it's the worst part of your day. But for me, throughout this time, it was the best part of my day. Uh, I'd go to class and I'd be good at the states and capitals test and it, it was really fun for me. And a lot of examples through my elementary school years of me loving geography are in kindergarten one or you know throughout the entire time I was there, a lot of people, you know, when you're in kindergarten, you're drawing stick figures or monsters or cartoon, character, cartoon characters, but not me. I was drawing distorted maps of the United States from memory, um, which was really weird, but I was really proud of myself for being able to do that and jot down the United States on a piece of paper. Um, and uh, in first grade, I wanted to have a flag-themed birthday party, and I literally spent three weeks before my birthday just coloring flags. Uh, just so that I could have decorations for my party, uh, which led to a love of the South Korean flag because I loved the yin-yang symbol. Um, and then uh, perhaps the most extreme example of this was uh, I went to California with my sister, my mom, and my dad uh, when I was in second grade. And uh, instead of going into Disneyland, uh, I wanted to go to see the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, which was a six-hour car ride away. Um, but you know, that's just where my interest lay, and that's what I wanted to do, uh, which would be an insane trade for any kid at that time, but that's, uh, that was where my interest lay. Um, and, you know, this is where my love of geography kind of culminated into kind of an obsession, and it really started to have some negative impacts. Uh, in second grade, um, I learned for, for the first time in my life of this thing called a geography bee. And I was obsessed. This is all I wanted to do. This is my life goal. And I started studying even when I didn't even know really what it was. Uh, so I went up to my teacher one day 
uh, and I asked her if there was any way I could participate in a geography bee, if our school had one. And she said, yes, our school did have one, um, but that it was for fourth graders and above only. And this literally destroyed me. I was so upset that I was not going to be able to participate in this, and I was so angry, um, but I wasn't going to let this stop me. Uh, important thing to know is that over the school announcement systems every day, they would uh, announce a geography bee quash, uh, practice question, sorry. Uh, and uh, I kept getting them right. And so every day I'd go home and I'd tell my mom what the question was and I would you know, say that I got it right. And it was really confusing because I never told her that I wasn't in a geography bee and that this wasn't a competition. She didn't really know what was going on. So I went up and you know, one day I told my mom, you know, I got this question right for geography or for geography. And she's like, is this for a geography bee or something? And this is where I started to lie. And I said, yeah, mom, this is for a geography bee. Uh, I'm in a geography bee, mom. But uh, she didn't know that ge the geography bee that I was participating in was completely in my head. Uh, it was not real. And so every day, this continued. I'd get off the bus, and I would jump in the car and tell my mom that I was moving into the next round of a fabled geography bee. Uh, which is such a weird thing to lie about if you think about it, but this is all I wanted, you know, I wanted to be recognized for loving and being good at geography. Uh, so this continued until Thanksgiving break of that year. Uh, and during Thanksgiving break, um, there are two things happened, or well, three things. Uh, the first thing was that I was in a, you know, there's only two kids left in my geography bee, me and this kid named Len. Um, Len, uh, important things to know about him is that he was a sixth grader, he was from Texas, uh, and he did not exist. Um, I completely made him up for some reason, and <laughs> I said that I was competing against him. Uh, and so over Thanksgiving break, the second thing that happened is that I called my grandparents and told them that I was in a geography bee and that I was doing really well. And everyone was really proud of me, and I loved this feeling of these people recognizing me for what I was really good at. And the third thing that happened is I literally studied for this Geography Bee in my bunk bed. Every night I would bust out my almanac and I would just read it for fun for a Geography Bee that I knew didn't exist, but uh, I studied anyway. So that Monday um, I went to school and I went to school without knowing that the day before my mom had emailed my teacher and asked her if she could come watch the last round of this Geography Bee that I was in. And my teacher said, uh, to my mom that there was no geography bee that I was in and my mom also asked for a student directory so that she could look up this Len kid and after she quickly found after scanning the sixth graders that Len did not exist so you can imagine her surprise when I get off the bus that day and I'm running to the car I'm like mom mom I won I won the geography bee and so when I get home her and my dad start peppering me with questions that I thought was really odd I'm like I won the geography bee like there's no reason you should be asking me these questions uh, and they're asking me, who's Len, you know? What, what were the questions in this geography be? Who was doing the questions? Uh, and, you know, there was a point where I couldn't take it anymore. I started crying, and I, I confessed that it was a lie the entire time. And I really hated this feeling of knowing that I'd lied about this. You know, it, it, was, it was cool to, like, be recognized for a while that I was good at geography. But uh, once it was over, which was only, like, two or three weeks later, it really, it, it really crushed me that these people were disappointed in me. I'd lost a lot of trust. Uh, and so I really, I, I had a hunger to redeem myself after this had occurred. So I felt like I did that uh, three years later in fifth grade. I did actually win a school geography bee. I put a lot of hard work and determination into that. And, you know, I really tried hard. I was in the geography bee club. And I even brought the shirt to prove it today. Uh, I have the geography bee state shirt on. 
Uh, and it, you know, it made me feel really good that I didn't have to lie about it anymore. I could say that I wanted Geography B and be recognized for my talents in Geography without having to you know, know that I lied about it and without being made fun of by my parents and everyone who knew that I lied about it. So uh, what I learned from this was that you really should never lie to make yourself seem better in the eyes of others, and hard work and determination can get you further than lying ever will. Thank you, Sam, for showing us how we can learn from our mistakes and grow to eventually win our geography bees. Our next story is told by Veronica, where she shares an experience that she had while camping with her family that they still reminisce and joke about to this day. Okay. So every year, my dad takes me and my two little twin sisters on camping trips, like all around Alaska. We go to like Seward, Eklutna, Kenai, just all around. And his favorite thing to do is car camp. So like we'll go to like campgrounds and then like we'll sleep in his car. So the camping trip we went on when I was 12 in the summer, he decided to take us to this like little campground outside of Kenai and I was super excited because like this specific spot the river was like pretty calm and it had like a little beach area so I was like I'm gonna go waiting like this is gonna be just like Hawaii this is gonna be so fun so we get there and it was like pretty rainy and just gross outside but that didn't really bother me so my little sister Ava and I decided to like go waiting kind of on the beach. So we left our shoes and jackets in the car and shut the door and like just went to go play. And then after maybe 20 minutes, I heard my other sister Maya calling us and I was like, come on Ava, we need to go back to the campsite and see what's going on. So we go back and immediately my dad like comes up to me and he was like, where are the keys to the car? I was like, I don't have the keys. I was just playing on the beach. And he was like, well, I don't have the keys either. I don't know where they are. So he goes to open the car door to see if the keys are in there and it's locked. And he just looks at us and he was like, girls, I think we're stuck. So I start freaking out because I am terrified of sleeping in tents. I cannot do it. It's one of my biggest fears. So I started like almost crying to my dad. I was like, dad, I cannot. And I will not sleep in a tent. Like I, I can't do it. So he's just like standing there trying to rack his brain. And he's like, do I call your mom who's all the way in Anchorage or do we break the window? Like, what should we do? So he told, he told me and my sisters like, go look for some dry firewood because my sister and I didn't have any shoes or jackets. It was raining, so we were super cold. So while we're gone looking for sticks or whatever, he calls my mom and he was like, hey Heather the girls locked the keys in the car I don't know what we're gonna do I need you I think I need you to come down here and open the door for us with the spare key so my mom comes all the way from Anchorage down to Kenai and while we were waiting for her we're just trying to start a fire and like we're sitting in the tent just I was so scared just thinking are we ever gonna get back home like we're gonna be stuck here forever and so my mom finally shows up and immediately she like comes up to me and she was like, how could you lock the keys in the car? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I did not lock the keys in the car. That was all dad. And everybody just turns and looks at my dad and he just froze. And he was like, I didn't know how else to get her here. I just, 
I thought she'd come if I knew it, if she knew it was you guys. So we're all just like mad. I was so mad because I was like, you're just going to let me take all the blame for this. And my mom ended up staying only for like an hour after that. And then she drove all the way back home. And just like that whole experience is so funny to me because my dad still tries to blame it on us, knowing it was him. And it's just like a big family joke now. So now he always brings a spare key with him and keeps it in his pocket just in case. And I'm just really grateful that like he takes my sisters and I to do stuff like that because it's just, I feel like it's really important to spend time with people you care about like while you still can and just prioritize that. Thank you, Veronica, for telling us about that exciting and humorous event that you shared with your family. These stories have shown us that a comedic lesson can come from anywhere. From camping to geography to mild criminal activity, there's always an opportunity to learn and grow as a person. And thank you for listening to Sayit's first installment of The Art of Being You. Make sure to join us next time for a second episode. I'm Sophie. I'm Bianca. And I'm Joshua. Thank you to the Alaska Children's Trust for helping fund this podcast, StoryWorks Alaska for making this project possible, Mr. Reese from Diamond High School and Ms. Kiddo from West High School for giving our storytellers the opportunity to share their stories. And finally, thank you to our storytellers, Jalen, Sam, and Veronica. And finally, thank you to Bianca for creating the music in this podcast. <laughs>